This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Network. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Network does not take responsibility for the statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio broadcast from Crescent Global in Tysons, Virginia. This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-host, Mark Haas, Association for Enterprise Growth, Joe Applebaum, Potomac Companies, Tammy Howie, DLA Piper, William Tidwell, Crescent, and Peter Schwartz Vistage. William, can you give us a rundown of who we have on the air today, please? Yeah, we have Chris Efesu with Newport LLC. He is a partner. We also have Alan Snyder. He's the CEO of Now Secure. Uh, we then have Lisa Gable, CEO of FAIR, Food Allergy and Re- Research and Education. And we'll finish up with David Sullivan, founder and CEO of Till. Let's get to know our first guest, Chris, FSCU uh, partner at Newport LLC. Chris, what is FSCU? Uh, excuse me, what is, uh, what is a Newport, Newport LLC? LLC? It is a boutique business advisory firm focusing on um, advising companies on the growth, uh, optimization, and uh, sale of companies. And uh, where are you from originally? I was born in Greece. You were born in Greece. And uh, how many brothers and sisters? I'm the oldest of three. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, what was going on with you 8 to 14 in Greece? during my uh, elementary school years, uh, there was an occupation of a military junta for four or five years, which um, uh, changed life as, as we knew it from before. And Give me a specific example. Uh, there was martial law enacted. Um, it was difficult to walk uh, home from school in groups larger than two. And uh, How'd that make you feel? It made me feel like I was in jail. Uh, it was not a free country anymore. How young were you when you came to the United States? 18. Why? For some reason, I thought that Greece was too small for me and I needed to experience something larger. Tammy? Chris, it sounds like you had some bumpy times in Greece, um, and it makes sense why you left to come here. Um, what trait did you take from Greece, though? Because you were built in Greece, so you must have brought something here. You're right. I was built in, in, in Greece, and, I, and I'm very thankful for what I, for what I learned there. Two trades, one was hard work and the other one was independence. Um, the independence of thought, the independence of action, um, along with the responsibility that comes with that. And so you advise companies and leaders on how to, um, with your background, you help them get to the next level. So how, give an example of how that you know, core of independence has helped a company that you advise. My um, focus is to get somebody from where w- they are now to where they need to be as quickly as possible. And Cr- the best way to get them there is to get them independent. And Cr- the best way to get them independent is to teach them how to do certain things by allowing them to to do them after showing them what once. Chris, have it you ever had a successful exit? I've had uh, several successful tell exits. Us about s- tell us about some of your successful exits. Let's give us a, give us a sense of what you personally have done. My first company uh, was uh, sold after five years to um, a subsidiary of uh, Cardinal Health. 
I merged uh, and sold the second company to a technology company, private. Uh, third and fourth companies were merged that were in the uh, financial so management. So why, why don't you retire? Why don't you financially retire? Uh, because I cannot retire mentally. What are you uh, talking about? What do you mean? It is I equated with brain death, and I need to be stimulated, and and I, I feel I have too much to learn and too much to do. Tammy, what were you saying? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Oh, I was just asking him an example of, of a company that he has worked with and, and given him the example of independence. Um, so the example w will be... I just wanted to make sure that he knew what he was talking about. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the example would be that, that you take the, the, the CEO and you show them the steps and then you have them follow you w while they're doing the steps. And then at some point there is a switch where you allow them to lead. And then the single most important switch is to lead from behind. Mark? How old were you when you came to the U.S.? 18. And what were your expectations? Uh, my expectations w w were something bigger than I was um, experiencing in, in Greece, and um, believe me, they were met. Was there a push or a pull? Well, what, what, what do you mean they were met? What are you talking about? I, um, frankly, I didn't know what to expect. I, I came here with a single goal to go to college, uh, which was pretty hard to do given that I did not speak the language. So what was your impression? My impression was that this is a big jungle which I thrive in because it's not the survival of the fittest, but it's the survival of the smartest. Peter? You're also the author of a book, The Chief Daddy Officer. Uh, I am. Why write that book and what's it got to do with business? That's a very good question. Um, shortly after I started my first business, uh, my uh, marriage came to um, a halt and then a, a divorce. My daughter was seven years old at the time. And I fought hard uh, to have her in my custody, which I succeeded to do. So I raised her as a single dad uh, since the age of seven. Along with that desire came the responsibility of raising a kid that I knew nothing about. But I thought I knew a thing or two about business. And so a lot of my uh, parenting was based on principles that we practice in business every day. So how are they alike, parenting and business? Oh, they are very much alike. Um, two examples. Two examples. Uh, first example is you, you say what you mean and you mean what you say. You, you, you cannot apologize for something because, quote unquote, you didn't mean it. We don't do that in business. Why should we accept that from a little kid? The other example is the gap analysis. We somehow focus on measuring our kids by somebody else's yardstick. Each kid has their own yardstick and they need to be measured against that. So you look at where you want to be, you look at where you are, you identify the gap and you measure it and strategize. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on for a second. You, you know, earlier in the green room when we were talking, you mentioned the soul. Yes. You know, here, I, here we got a guy who's, who's built several substantial businesses and exited and you're talking about stuff like the soul. I, I don't understand where the soul fits in the business. It's all about the soul. Um, there is no business leader um, that has succeeded um, that has been soulless uh, or, or whose soul was not at easy access from everyone around them. What is your definition of soul, Chris? It is what, what defines you, what, what's that your reason for being there? Who, who, who are you in your, in your inner sanctum? And what is your reason for being here? It's to do well, to, to it, it's to do well by helping others do well. I don't believe in, in uh, a person doing well. I believe in people doing well. And together. why is that so important to you? It is because um, 
I, I saw its dysfunction uh, in, in my previous uh, homeland, and I saw its function mostly in my present homeland, and this is better than there. How has raising a daughter made you a better leader in business? Oh, it, it, it uh, crystallized what's important in life and crystallized what's important in every action you take. It made me a much more focused person and made me much more accountable and responsible um, person. And it made me um, a, a mentor, albeit I didn't know it at the time, because she is now a business leader herself. William? Yeah, Chris, uh, getting back to that, y- your, your daughter is very successful. Uh, you wrote this book on raising children, given the principles of business that we live by every day. Um, we talked a little bit about what is the same. What did you find was different? A good question. Uh, very few differences. Um, I, I guess the, the single biggest difference is that um, there are no laws, so to speak, that guide parenting. There are laws that guide employment. There are laws that do things that you cannot do certain things to employees. Well, you That's can't fire you, them. You, exactly. <laughs> you can't fire them, and, and, and even if you fire them, you still have them on your payroll, and that's a double negative. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so um, that gives the parent a much larger latitude, and th- it, with that latitude comes the responsibility and the accountability of what is it that you're teaching them at that time? Tommy, How are you, you mentoring them? Tommy, what are you thinking? So how has raising this strong, successful daughter made you a different advisor to, to companies? A good question, Tammy. I think, uh, I believe that to this day we live in a, in a man's world, and I believe that uh, it is incumbent up upon us more senior, mature men to advise other younger men that the best way to run their company is to bring a lot more women in, into their management teams and into their boards whenever possible. Um, that started out of me teaching my daughter that there is no job she cannot do if that job is present. What, what, what is your daughter man. doing for a living now? What, what's your daughter She's doing? She's the founder and CEO of uh, the media social, socialite, the social media agency. Uh-huh. What's the website address of your organization? NewportLLC.com. Let me have that one more time. NewportLLC.com. What's the best part of your day? The best right. part of my day, mm-hmm. uh, cutting out of work early, driving 20 minutes to see my uh, twin boy grandchildren who live in Alexandria. Just wanted to make sure I understood that we've been speaking with uh, Chris FSCU, partner of Newport LLC here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. And we'll be back in a moment right after this break. And your name is? Ramon Parker. And Ramon, the name of the organization? Loudon Free Clinic. And you were telling me there's some something special about the Loudon Free Clinic where every dollar that goes in does something else. What was that all about? Yeah, it does something magical. So for every dollar that's donated to our clinic, we can deliver $8 worth of care. And what kind of clinic is this? Who are, you, who are you helping out? What kind of stuff do you guys do? So we're helping out those who are 18 to 64 who are uninsured and low income, 200% or below the federal poverty level. And give me this thing about the math again. Give me how that works. So essentially, I have a a staff of 12 individuals and 128 volunteers. So with that kind of payer mix, I'm able to deliver, you know, 
anywhere from eight dollars uh, in care for our patients. Because you've been able to enroll the support of so many volunteers, you're actually keeping the cost of health care down, and therefore multiplying the dollars and making one of it one of the best business investments for private corporations who want to invest. And didn't ah interesting. So private businesses and individuals can get involved. And didn't you Absolutely. tell me you had a couple of health care challenges yourself? What were they? I have. I've had four open heart surgeries, and mm -hmm. it helps me to understand what patients need. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So the idea of having been on the table or being a patient, I'm able to take a patient focus in how we deliver care differently than most people would. What did you, what did you learn from those experiences personally? What do you appreciate that most of us don't? I appreciate consistency. Um, I think that a, a staff at the hospital, nurses, providers, mm -hmm. parents, mm -hmm. family, all those people consistently being around me and consistently offering me hope. Uh, I'm so full of it that I have to offer that to the patients and to the staff when I'm working with them. What's the website address for the Loudon Free Clinic? Loudonfreeclinic.org. Let me have that one more time. L-O-U-D-O-U-N freeclinic.org. We've been speaking with your name again? Ramon Parker. And this has been your business spotlight. Thank you. And your name is? Jeff Lawson. And Jeff, what organization are you with? I'm with Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And wh what do you guys do? What kind of stuff are you doing that's special? Well, we manage uh, conference centers and hotels, and we're currently managing the National Conference Center in Leesburg, Virginia. National Conference Center. How large or how small is this organization? Um, the conference center itself is 900 rooms in size, 350,000 square feet of meeting space, dining facilities for 850, uh, exercise facility all set on 61 acres of land. Wow, this is a large organization, isn't it? It is, very large. Uh huh. And what's your role in the organization? I'm the general manager, and I have oversight of the uh, property and all the hospitality services that occur. Well, what's the general manager supposed to do with this large facility? Make sure I have a, make sure eight executive committee members and a, and a full uh, staff of 210 do their daily jobs. So how many folks do you have running through your halls on a weekly basis or daily basis or annual basis? What's that look like? Well, on a weekly basis on a full house, we'll have uh, 900 per night, um, seven nights, uh, 6,300, which translates to about 20,000 meals a week. Wow. And uh, your job, are you working nine to five or do you end up having to work evenings and early mornings and weekends and stuff like that? No, I'd say I'm always on duty. Uh-huh. Wh what do you enjoy about your job? Meeting people, working with some of the finest hospitality people in Virginia, which is my team, and meeting our clients because they're wonderful. So you're helping your clients plan their events? Well, we help plan. Uh, they are there for some form of education that goes on at one end of our business, and at the other end of our business, they're there for social catering events, uh, weddings, and such. So you're, you're, well, you're running a 24 by 7 facility, aren't you? We are. Uh-huh. What's the website address of this organization? Conferencecenter.com. Let me have that again. Conferencecenter.com. And your name again is? Jeff Lawson. And the name of the organization? Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And this has been your Business Spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Alan Snyder, CEO of Now Secure. Alan, what is Now Secure? What are you guys doing? Uh, we're a software company, and our focus is to save the world from unsafe mobile apps. Uh -huh. Didn't you tell me uh, how many people have how many apps, and there's something about bad that's going to occur there, or what? Yeah, when you think about it, most people have 60 to 70 mobile apps on their device on average, and what we see is 80% of those and I mean 80% are actually either leaking your data or are vulnerable to be attacked. Uh-huh. Where are you from originally? Uh, Baltimore, Maryland. How many brothers and sisters? I have one older sister. And what was going on with you 8 to 14 years old? Uh, I was very active in the uh, Boy Scouts 
Uh, and then when I was in fourth grade, my uh, mom went to uh, work. Uh, so big deal. What was the effect of your mom? Everybody had mom go to work. What was going on special with your mom going to work? Uh, it was pretty a uh, big change for me to go from, you know, uh, coming home and my mom being there to uh, having my uh, red shoelace with the key on it that uh, I would let myself in the house when I got home. And uh, then I also had the run of the house, which was also a lot of fun. How'd that make you feel? Uh, actually, I enjoyed it. I like the independence uh, and I like the uh, ability to set my schedule. You didn't figure you didn't think it was scary or lonely being home alone? Uh, not at all. Uh-huh. And uh, what was going on with you with a bank account? How young were you when you had your first bank account? What was that all about? It's probably around eight years old. My parents were big and independent. So uh, as we earned or got money, they were big that we would go to the bank and go to the teller and deposit it ourselves and take care of so our how, own how, finances. How'd you, how'd you get money to put in the bank? Uh, probably around uh, 11 or so, mm-hmm. I was cutting lawns. So I had a little lawn cutting service to earn mm-hmm. money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, William? Yeah, Alan, you mentioned uh, earlier in the green room that uh, you're a bit of a serial entrepreneur. Uh, what previous exits have you had? Yeah, now Secure is my fifth uh, startup. So first was a company called Perspective. We sold that uh, to a publicly traded company for about $30 million. Then my next was Boxtone. We sold that for over 100 And then we sold uh, good technology for over a billion. Uh-huh. And uh, let's see. Next question, Mark. So w- when you were growing up, you had conversations around the dinner table. Uh, did any of them involve being an entrepreneur or starting a business? I, quite a bit. My uh, When my mom went back to work, she was a uh, real estate agent and then she had her own firm and then they uh, also did development so uh, construction and development so we talked uh, all the time about uh, her business did you see yourself as in a, in a business role as an adult I yeah I would actually say I couldn't imagine not uh, doing that of leading and running a business uh, to me I again I enjoyed the uh, independence of it Peter you were a Boy Scout uh, why was looking back on it? Why was that such a good idea? It was pretty transformational for me because that's where I first became a leader because I was tired of being cold and wet. What are you talking about? What do you mean? It was after a couple camping trips and other people were in charge, and let's just say we made bad decisions about what we did, how we did it, and when we did it. That Tell us a story about the hay. So we were on a uh, winter camping trip and we had hay in the truck that we should have put down. We were camping in the snow and we didn't and we had a cold, miserable night and we didn't need to. So you you began to understand that maybe you have a better way. What's that have to do with entrepreneuring? Yeah, for me it was more that I felt that I could do it better and I felt more comfortable if I was the one uh, in charge. Mm-hmm. And so from an entrepreneur standpoint, that's the exact same thing, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you Just can run to make, and make sure the choices. Tammy? So having a mom go back to work is unusual um, as the baby of the family, um, but it's very unusual for her to become an entrepreneur and start her own business. What trait did you learn from watching her do that? She was, uh, still is, uh, extraordinarily independent, uh, extraordinarily stubborn, uh, and extremely determined. So all three of those. Give me an example of something she did. Uh, I'll never forget we were she was uh, building a house and they were trying to get the foundation in. rain was coming in the construction crew stopped work and wouldn't finish she went and started carrying cinder block 
uh, to do it herself, which then basically shamed them into actually getting it into gear, and they finished it that night before the rain came in. And are you a similar leader in, show, in leading by example? Uh, most certainly leading by example, uh, and I only hope I have as much determination and grit as she does. Mm-hmm. Next question, who's got What do your employees expect of you as a leader? They expect a lot, as they should. Uh, I think first and foremost, it's uh, honesty, candor. Mm-hmm. What else? Uh, after that, it's a vision, right? Where are we going to go? How are we going to get there? Uh, and then the piece after that, I'd say, is it's team. Because mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it, right? Mm-hmm. My job is to organize the uh, group so that we can do it together. What kind of books did you read as a kid? Uh, I was very into science fiction. A lot of science fiction. Like what kind of stuff? Uh, uh, pretty much anything from uh, Robert Heinlein, uh, Isaac Asimov, the whole group. Uh, What's that? What science fiction have to do with building a business? I. Well, it has a lot to do with technology. That's what led me to go. Uh, I actually, as I will joke about it, in high school I went on work release at, uh, and uh, got a, I was in uh, senior year of high school. I did a job at the uh, U.S. Army doing computer programming. Really? And you went into computer programming because of the science fiction stuff you were reading? Yeah. Uh-huh. Peter, are you a father? Uh, yes, I have three boys. So what's uh, wonderful about that? I, it's great to see them become their own people. They're all uniquely different. My oldest went to the Naval Academy. My middle guy is studying physics, and uh, when he was looking at college, was very clear, don't ever expect that from me, Dad. Right? He's much more uh, independent, so they're all different. It's fun. Uh, so what's the similarity between being a dad and being an uh, entrepreneurial CEO? Chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more. What do you mean? Uh, it just, uh, you don't necessarily, it's not like you know exactly what's going to happen next. And I, I personally enjoy that, right? I like the blank slate. I like going and figuring it out as you go. Uh, and that's what I enjoy uh, with uh, It sounds kids. like you also understand, uh, not only do you, do you enjoy working from a blank piece of paper, you've been through a number of startups and exits, but it sounds like you also understand that everybody's different. The way we're explaining your kids, you understand each one of them is different. Is that one of your strengths, the fact that you understand people? Uh, I've certainly gotten better with it over time. I've, to be candid, I was not the best at it early in my career, and I've gotten better over time with that. But, yes, it you, is now. So what do you figure your greatest strength is? Uh, I think my greatest strength is uh, the vision to see kind of what we could be and where we can go. Uh, and then the next piece would be to help organize to get us there. Okay. William, do you have something there? Yeah. What would your kids say your greatest strength is? Oh, that is an excellent question. Um, That's why we asked them to co-host. I think that they would probably say uh, that I will coach and guide, but get out of the way. Is that your, is that a, is that your employees saying that, or is that, your, or is that your kids saying that? That's my kids saying that. I think my employees would probably say that I will coach and guide, and... Um, I will get out of the way when we're ready to get out of the way. Uh-huh. You're, you're, you know, kids learn a lot from adults. What have your kids taught you? Oh, they've taught me much more patience, uh, tremendously more uh, patience. Uh, but also um, they're incredibly creative uh, in ways that I'm not. Uh, and that's actually a lot of fun to watch, right, as they 
you know, they're different from me. And that's fun to watch them do their own thing and find their own way. Has that made you a better leader or a better person? It's made me uh, stop and think a little bit more and be more patient, but also be more understanding. You make it sound so easy. Uh, tell us about a failure. Uh, oh, I've got countless uh, failures. Actually, my philosophy is that if we're not failing, that we're not pushing the balance uh, hard enough, that we need to fail constantly. Uh, I would say one of my biggest failures came in the financial crisis. I had to lay off probably half of my workforce. Uh, m- my biggest failure there was I was not as candid as I should have been with the situation of the company was, and I should have been more uh, upfront and how, truthful. How did that make you feel laying off all those people? Oh, it was dreadful uh, because it was no fault of their own. Uh, we were losing 10% You're of our revenues me you a month. F- you personally felt bad about that stuff? Oh, yes. I just wanted to make sure I understood. What's the website address of uh, NowSecure? Uh, NowSecure.com. We've been speaking with Alan Snyder, CEO of NowSecure here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com. Learn more about our executive leaders. Back in a moment right after this break. Your name is? Brendan Herbert. And the name of the organization? Infinity Wellness Partners. And what is Infinity Wellness Partners? We're a corporate wellness provider based here in Washington, D.C. And what do you do for your clients? We provide comprehensive wellness programs. And what, what, what do you mean by a comprehensive wellness program? So everything uh, on-site and online, we bring activity classes, workshops, staff-wide challenges, and health coaching are our four major aspects. So your clients are the corporations that bring you in to provide these wellness programs for their employees. Absolutely. Do they get a return on their investment? Uh, they sure do. Between 3 and $5 over a five-year period for comprehensive programs. And how would they get that return on investment? What's that made up of? Uh, well, our programs are made up of, like I mentioned before, you know, everything from one-on-one coaching and different levels of engagement to uh, staff-wide you know, walking challenges or weight loss challenges. And the benefit to the company is that they've got healthier and happier employees that stick around longer? Absolutely. More loyalty, less absenteeism, more productivity, um, you name it, all the benefits, all the value. How long have you been doing this? Uh, six years. And what do you enjoy about this? Um, I enjoy the one-on-one contact. I originally started as a one-on-one health coach and now I'm able to touch many more lives through our corporate programs. What do you mean a one-on-one health coach? What's a one-on-one health coach do? Helping with behavior change, um, looking at all aspects of life to to try to help with their So if I've got some personal issues going on, like I like to lose (laughs) weight or whatever it might be, you would be talking to me about that stuff? I'd probably recommend you to one of our teammates, huh. one of our team members. That's sort of interesting. That's really neat. What, what's, the, what's the name of this organization again? Infinity Wellness Partners. What's your website address? Uh, it's infinitywellnesspartners.com. Let me have that one more time. Infinitywellnesspartners.com. And this has been your business spotlight. And your name is? Chuck Ockeltree. And Chuck, what organization are you with? The National Conference Center and West Belmont Place Event Center. Uh-huh. And what makes this organization special? The National Conference Center was built um, to be the nation's premier uh, meeting and event venue. Um, It's not a traditional hotel. Mm -hmm. So even though we have 900 guest rooms and all the services and amenities of a traditional hotel, Mm -hmm. because of our size, Mm -hmm. we're able to uh, deliver um, an environment that is very conducive to uh, learning, development. And who are your clients? Our clients are uh, many of the, the corporate 100, corporate 500, as well as uh, because of our location in Leesburg, Virginia, mm-hmm. we do a lot of business with Washington, D.C. Uh, government agencies. Mm-hmm. And what do you like about your job? 
What I like about uh, is we've had the opportunity to bring new leadership to the National Conference Center, blend with the tremendous service team that's built a reputation over the years uh, for great service. And uh, we've had a lot of fun um, helping our clients take advantage of the 65-acre campus. How about you personally? What, what do you enjoy about your job? I enjoy that, that we've uh, had a very, very, very successful turnaround in mm-hmm. uh, the two and a half years, mm-hmm. uh, taking the National Conference Center uh, from where it was in 2014 with Excellent. the new, new ownership, we've literally doubled the revenue. And what's, so. your, what's your role in the organization again? Uh, my role is Chief Marketing Officer. And what's that mean? It, good question. It means that uh, uh, we're involved with branding, mm-hmm. uh, everything to do with the sales, the marketing, the promotion, and um, the business development. So you're actually going out there and you're actually involved with helping bring in the clients. Exactly, yes. And sir. I guess the way you're doing that is you're actually talking to a lot of the clients, making sure that you know your services are valuable. We talk to a lot of the clients and we do a lot of uh, events What's as well. What's the website address of the organization? www.conferencecenter.com. Let me have that one more time www.conferencecenter.com. This has been your business spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Lisa Gable, CEO of FAIR, Food Allergy Research and Education. Lisa, what is FAIR? What are you guys doing? FAIR is the largest research entity that represents the 32 million people that have life-threatening food allergies. Okay. Where were you from originally? Lynchburg, Virginia. How many brothers and sisters? One older sister. And what was going on with you 8 to 14 years old? Uh, my father was building an organization uh, to national prominence during that time period from scratch in the political realm. Uh-huh. And uh, let's see. Peter, what do you got? What questions you got? Oh, how did that shape you? I learned a great deal about discretion when we were uh, seated as a family and talking about things. I always knew that uh, the rule was what was said at the dinner table couldn't be repeated in public. What else did you learn? I learned what was important to someone who was trying to build something, somebody who had a big aspiration, uh, what made them tick, what was important to them, what they needed in order to be successful. So clearly you have uh, this impressive uh, resume of, of accomplishment and achievement and your hard driving. How does that square with a nonprofit that's all mission oriented? Yeah. I'm always brought into nonprofits to make them perform at a new level and to make them operate like a business. It's challenging because normally I have to let go staff that has more of a nonprofit background and I bring in business people that can operate towards the mission but can build sustainable operations. H- how young were you when you were taking things to the next level? Um, in fourth grade, my best friend and I decided to start a student government in our fourth grade class. I was president, she was vice president, and we represented the interest of the students to our teacher. Wait a second. What grade were you in? We was in fourth grade. And you went ahead and organized the student government. We did. We had Miss King. She was very encouraging of the two of us to do what we wanted to do, and we always brought things forward What's and organized information. To me is I just gave you credit for starting the student government and use the word we. We. What's the similarity between the we back then and what you're doing nowadays? I always partner with someone else. I've been uh, working for CEOs and billionaires and uh, public officials, but I always have a primary partner uh, that I am working with and to fulfill either my vision or Mm -hmm. what they are trying to accomplish, what they're investing in. What kind of books did you, did you read uh, as a kid, and what kind of uh, characters resonated with you? 
I read military history books. I had cannons and rifles on my curtains uh, when I was a little girl. And I was fascinated by the Roman Empire and specifically Julius Caesar. What about, what about Caesar resonated with you? Not only was he a strategist, but he built things and he built governance. But the most critical thing was he came into power because he got the common man to join with him and they were the ones who rallied. So he didn't always go for uh, appealing to the political types, but really bringing a huge crowd with him whenever he was doing something. Is there some characteristic or, or example that, that he set or was written about that you've exemplified? He builds things, and so every time he would see a boulder in the road, one thing that he was known for was his engineering talent, and so he would build a bridge, he would move the boulder out of the road, he would do very creative things in order to accomplish something um, that had a physical like element Like starting to them. a student government in the fourth grade, William? Yeah, yeah um, Lisa, the show's about uh, how your early experiences affect what you do today. Uh, you mentioned in the green room earlier that you have a sister. Uh, has she benefited from the same experiences? She has. My sister is also a turnaround person. She's chief operating officer of Women for Women International. She goes into conflict zones and helps women who've been impacted by war. Uh, she is also a well-known wildlife photographer. Tommy? So we've heard a lot about you uh, professionally and you're hard charging and tough and that is completely clear by this interview. But I want to know the other side of Lisa. What do you do for fun? I live in the country. I like to take long walks with my dog out and really think about things. But I also am the type of person that will binge watch. And if I'm watching something like the show 24, I'll, I'll bike for hours so I can get through and see what's happening. So even in your off time, you have to accomplish something. You can't just binge watch guiltily like I do and eat ice cream, right? It's so. rare. I, I like to go to the beach and read. I read a lot, but it's hard for me to relax. So earlier you said that you never do anything alone and you always partner. And I know you really have a passion for the, the allergies and food, but you also said you tie it to technology. So what would your role be in bringing new therapies or new technology to help that? Sure, it's a really exciting time right now. It's an inflection point in the marketplace. There are things going on in agriculture like gene editing. Uh, there are new product categories for uh, food and beverage companies. Uh, there's AI that can look at changing the recipe of a food and taking into account whether or not they're replacing a chemical with an allergen uh, through natural flavors. So not only can pharma play a huge role, but also a lot of other companies could step forward and have lots of market opportunity to help solve the problem. When you're uh, taking these long walks, you mentioned, was this with a, a did you mention a doggy? I do. I have a border collie, Daisy. Uh -huh. When you guys are walking, what are you thinking about? I'm solving problems. When I when I drive, uh, I I just it's like a Rubik's Cube and when I walk I'm just constantly trying to figure out how to solve a problem and it's the easiest way for me to do it without any distraction uh-huh so uh, are you married or single I'm married uh-huh and um, so it sounds like you're a really hard-working kind of gal I mean you're like you're really building this organization and 
but you're taking some time off personally. Where's the where's the balance come from? How do you strike that balance? You know, my my husband is also an entrepreneur. He started in high tech, Harvard MBA, uh, undergrad in engineering from Stanford. We are very well matched. He grew up in a political family, so the two of us can go in and out of events together. We can be with our friends, uh, but we're constantly talking about what we're building next and helping each other out. Um, and it's a nice relationship. So building is like organizing. How young were you when you were organizing? Give us an example. I was always organizing. I mean, the best example is in the the 10th grade where I didn't make the cheerleading squad. And so I started a new one and then went in competition to the old one and we beat them at national championships. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I thought you were going to tell me the story you told us in the green room about, you know, you, you, you organized the neighborhood kids to go biking or something. I didn't expect that one. If we were really getting to know Lisa, what what else, what are we missing here? What else what else should we know about you? You know, I, I've been incredibly blessed and um, have had really unique opportunities, and I love mentoring women. I have uh, women of all ages that I've mentored, whether they're friends of my 21-year-old daughter or whether they're a woman who's 35 years old that's trying to figure out how to uh, maintain a successful career. But I spend an inordinate amount of time with younger women. So in, in the realm of, of mentoring, what advice would you give to yourself as a 10 or 12-year-old girl? Life is complicated. Uh, a lot of things will happen, and you have to zigzag throughout your life, but keep your eye on the ball. You're going to have to go forwards and backwards, but if you keep moving forward um, and you're positive and focus on the positives, not the negatives, you'll do great. What would you want written on your tombstone? She had an impact on the world. She helped other people. And why is that important to you? Because I was I was incredibly blessed, and I love to see people succeed. And my job, even as a CEO, is to move boulders out of the way. We have to move quickly. I have the capacity to move the boulders, and I have the capacity to help other people move up the ladder. Tommy, William, what are you guys thinking? So, Lisa, a few of us have mistake-free days. Uh, when you have a bad day, what do you do to, to rectify that? When I have a bad day or something mean happens or a donor's upset, I always try to think of one thing I can do to help another person. And so it might be uh, referring a job to somebody. It might be going on their social media and doing an ad girl or a wonderful job on whatever you did. I just have to end with something positive, and I have to end with something positive for someone else. Wait, wait, wait. You're telling me if something bad happens in your day, you go ahead and do something good for somebody else because, give me that again? It's the way I operate. If something bad happens to me, the best way for me to feel like I can continue to move things forward is by helping someone else achieve an objective. Wow, how'd you learn that? Where'd that come from? My dad never went after the new shiny penny. He always focused on finding those people who had that really unique take, uh, capability, but they needed the help in, in shining. And so he was very tactical in how he mentored people, and he operated that way also. Well, what's the website address for this organization fair? Foodallergy.org. Let me have that one more time. Foodallergy.org. You've been speaking with Lisa Gable who's the CEO of FAIR, Food Allergy Research and Education here on Executive Leaders Radio. And uh, give me your website address one more time, please. Foodallergy.org. And don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. That's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. 
I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District. And what is the Boston Business Improvement District? We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. And is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet, the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How, how old is this organization? We're just, just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? How long have you been uh, almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did you do that? Well, they, the, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people and then who knows the the next great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area, and Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So your job, you're like the master connector. I feel like the mayor of, of Boston, the mayor of innovation, because that's uh -huh. what's happening. So your idea, your, your thought is in order to create more stuff, in order to launch more businesses, in order to cause more good, it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people. Exactly. And you like being in the middle of all that I, stuff. Oh, we love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events, through art, uh, through a happy hour. Mm -hmm. You don't know what's going to come out of that. Mm -hmm. That's what's exciting. So it's all about the people. And you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization. Is this a nine to five kind of job oh, for you? Hell no. It's a lot longer uh -huh. than that, baby. So do you have to you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, sure, sure. Let me have the website address of this sure, organization. Bostonbid.com, and, and you can download Boston Connect mobile app. Let me have uh, let me have that website address one more Balsambid. time. Bostonbid.com. It's B-A, give me the spelling on that. B-A-L-L-S-T-O-N-B-I-D.com. Excellent. Your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Balsam Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. One help building your business with help from the show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money. All the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow, assuming you've ser you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business or truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com to hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce David Sullivan. 
founder and CEO of Till. David, what is Till? What are you guys doing? Uh, Till is changing the rental landscape by helping renters pay rent. Uh-huh. I understand that you just raised a lot of money. How much money did you raise? So we've recently closed a $6 million seed round. Uh -huh. We're a financial startup. Mm -hmm. And tell me, where are you from originally? I'm from Northern Virginia. And how many brothers and sisters? Uh, I have one awesome little sister, two years younger than me. And what were you up to 8 to 14 years old? What was going on? Uh, I spent a lot of my childhood playing soccer competitively. And what was your, uh, what was your role on that soccer team, 8 to 14? Uh, I often found myself as a center midfielder. Um, what was the personality trait you brought to, uh, to playing center midfielder, and why did you like playing that position? I liked it for two reasons. I liked the uh, strategic nature of figuring out how to attack and win and score, but also the reality of having to defend and the balance that sits between the two. What's that have to do with uh, your role at this organization known as Till, as founder and CEO? I think there are a lot of parallels. A lot of people have drawn parallels between sports and, and business. I, I love the nature of organizing people. Mm -hmm. and organizing people around initiatives that you believe in mm -hmm. and the initiatives that are the key priority. So when you're attacking, you need to identify the opportunity to attack, but mm -hmm. you always have to be paranoid and, mm -hmm. and understanding how you might get taken advantage Good. of. Peter? Uh, you described the business as a financial services, not a social services business. So we are a for-profit financial services business. We the, the key thing that's really important behind Till is that Having been a landlord, I know that we can improve a renter's ability to pay rent. We can improve their financial life, their ability to stay in the home, and we can help the landlord do well. And why is and that so important to you business. to help renters do that? I was, I ran a, a rental housing fund called the American Home as the COO, um, and really powerful takeaway just seeing how many, there's 45 million households in our country. It affects 120 million people. It's a third of our country rents their housing. And almost every single person uh, that rents their house struggles financially, and rent sits at the heart of their life. How does the phrase, um, the triumph of spirit over circumstance, resonate with you? I mean, it's powerful. There's so many people, regardless of uh, economic inequality, that are trying to make it. Um, I, I believe we have a responsibility in our society to be providing as equal opportunities as equal of an opportunity as possible to as many people as we can. Mm -hmm. um, Mark? So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, when you're growing up, you talked talk in the green room about being a, a kind of a hard-charging person. Is there a situation, uh, you put yourself in, in a dangerous situation I'm intentionally? I have always leaped before I looked. I, uh, at two, jumped out of my crib and broke my collarbone in half. Um, that has continued with me. So a lot of my learning has been through pain and, and failure. I look for rapid little failures. So I love doing extreme sports. I uh, snowboard, whitewater, kayak, cycle. Uh, I love doing things that put me in the moment. But to be in the moment, you sometimes have to be in dangerous situations. Is there an situations. example where something was, was more than you expected? Yeah, I uh, was snowboarding one time, and I, I jumped over what I thought was a little crack uh, and it turned out to be a 30-foot cliff, and I, I fell into a group of trees. Luckily, there was a lot of snow that had piled up, so I walked away from that after about an hour how, of digging How did that change out. you? Did that make you more afraid, or did it have no effect on you? I've always been uh, young at heart. I'm, I'm young, but young at heart and adventurous and bold. I'm starting to 
try to look at least like around the, the next corner, not Will, all of the corners. William? Yeah, I want to go back for just a second. Um, you're a business entrepreneur. We've been talking for a couple hours in the green room. And until just a second ago, I hadn't heard you mention profit. So you're clearly concerned about those that you're trying to help. When you look back on your family, where does that empathy come from? Um, where does empathy come from? I think it should be innate to all of us, hopefully. I think there are many situations you can see in your life that drive empathy. Uh, at the American home, you can only see so many people struggling to pay rent who are facing eviction and the, the societal impact that evictions have on people. Um, to, to think like there's got to be a better way that you can step into a home and improve a relationship. I drive at profit because I think that being able to raise money and to make money building win-win-win scenarios in our, in our economy uh, is one of the best ways to create scaled impact. Mm -hmm. Tammy, what are you thinking? So you seem to have a lot of knowledge well beyond your years, and it occurred to me that you have a mom and dad who are both entrepreneurs. So what have you learned from them? What trait do, have you learned from them that you carry forward? Uh, you got to grind it out. Like these things are really hard. Um, I was fortunate to watch my dad build a very successful company for my entire life. Um, it takes... What, what kind of business was that running? He runs a wealth management. How young were you when you started going to the office with him? I was probably three or four years old. What kind of stuff did you do? How long did you go there for? Oh, I, I would go. I loved going and playing football in the hallways with his, uh, one of his partners. So what would you, what'd you learn from your father's wealth management business? Is anything to do with what you're doing nowadays? I think uh, that there's two things. It takes a very bold vision and commitment, but mm -hmm. that vision has to be informed by an experience that allows you to commit for the duration it takes to be successful. Nothing mm -hmm. happens overnight. Mm -hmm. I also learned uh, through that and through the American Home uh, how many little acts it takes to put the foundation together. Mm -hmm. It takes a, a tremendous amount. So the audience can't feel this, but you exude fun. So what's your work-life balance? Because you definitely don't sit in the office all the time. No, I, I, uh, I find a lot of the best strategic thinking I do is outside the office when I'm not working. And so I intentionally try to take time. Uh, I burned out at one company, and my the advice I got was don't work a day a week. So every single Saturday is a day off. I focus on my kids and my family. And then during the week, I try to do one or two things for myself. I love being, as I said earlier, in the moment and present. I find that my subconscious is much more powerful than my conscious in coming up with creative, strategic thoughts and initiatives. So you mentioned children. So what? What? how many children do you have? So I have a five-year-old, three-year-old, and a recent one-year-old. So do you have a daredevil in there that reminds you of yourself? Oh, yeah, my middle son. He is a, a beast and uh, physical beyond his years. He is running into walls, smacking his head, uh, constantly running around corners and tackling me. And I'd say one of the best parts of my day is coming home, and all of them, my one-year-old can now walk. He, he toddles at me. The other two sprint at me. So that's, that's very cute. Um, so you, you would, what piece of advice would you want them to know as they get older that you've learned? Uh, the piece of advice, the two that I try to take with me every day, uh, is one is do things that make you uncomfortable that you will learn from, and don't do small things. If you had to pick one, what would you pick, risk-taking or grinding it out? 
Uh, grinding it out. Why? You can be successful in anything, but it takes becoming an expert in whatever you're trying to understand. I believe success comes from understanding where the next piece of that industry is going to go. Uh, and it takes a lot of really deep learning to figure out where that frontier is. Um, and it takes grinding it out to, to have that skill set to see around that corner. Tell us about uh, growing up. Who was your group of friends? So what role did you play? And why did you hang out, hang around with those guys? Uh, I've always looked for people that are unique and authentic in their life and approach to life. Uh, my role has always been as a connector. So I love people. I love learning from people. Uh, I learn more by sitting and having coffee and hanging out with unique, interesting characters, uh, as many as I can find myself to. And so my, I, I have always helped bring people together and that, that has, well, just a fun and passion that I've intrinsically gone after. Uh, that has been like my secret sauce for company building is finding uh, was that, Did you have a tight group of friends? Yeah, I've been friends with the same guys since I was five years old. My, my wife and I were in the same kindergarten class. You told us before that you're, you're a best man in a bunch of weddings. Yeah, I've, I've probably been, uh, in about 10 weddings and the best man at many. No. That's what Tammy was picking up on, the yeah. fact that you like having fun, people like hanging out with you. What's the website address of uh, Till? So we're at hellotill.com. Let me have that one more time. It's hellotill.com. Hellotill.com. And, and David, it sounds like you really enjoy relationships. I love them. That's what mm -hmm. life is about. Mm -hmm. We've been speaking with David Sullivan, founder and CEO of Till here on Executive Leaders Radio, and uh, William Tidwell, could you give us a rundown on who else we've had the opportunity of speaking with today, please? Yeah, Herb, we've had uh, Chris FSCU. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris is a partner with Newport LLC mm -hmm. and uh, the author of Chief Daddy Officer. Mm -hmm. We have had Alan Snyder, he's the CEO of New Secure. We have had Lisa Gable, the CEO of FAIR, Food Allergy Research and Education. And we finished up with David Sullivan, founder and CEO of Till. I'd like to thank my co-hosts, including Mark Haas, Association for Enterprise Growth, Joe Applebaum, Potomac Companies, Tammy Howie, DLA Piper, William Tidwell, Cressa, and Peter Schwartz Vistage for giving me a hand structuring the questions. So providing a listening audience. An educational and entertaining show. I'd like to thank our listening audience for listening. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a radio show. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com. Thank you for joining us, and have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.